Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Coaching Call podcast. On this podcast, we'll cover various types of coaching by trainers in sports, martial arts, fitness, and business. We'll discuss each coach's methods to getting the most out of their respective athletes or clients and how they attempt to change the platform in which they coach. Join us on a fun adventure as we discuss unique coaching styles. We've all been coached before, in school, at work, or on a team. Your first coaches were your mom and dad who taught you how to communicate, tie your shoes, or play a simple game of catch. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Raphael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching. Hi, I'm Sifu Raphael, and this is the Coaching Call Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoy my show, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. To donate, go to paypal.me slash Raphael. That's S-I-F-U-R-A-F-A-E-L. I'm trying to keep this podcast free of advertisements. Anything you can donate is greatly appreciated. Thank you. And the outcome and the story will be exactly the same because they're reading the cards literally. And any foundation of tarot is is like any academic. You have to have the basic. You have to have an understanding of the base of what they mean and what they stand for. My guest today is Mbila Nath. Ambilla is known by her clients as the girl next door of spirituality. She's a serial entrepreneur, certified coach, spiritual teacher, international speaker, and an avid follower of her passions. Ambilla, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm very well, and thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure, my pleasure. We met on Clubhouse, right? We did. And we we had a connection right away. And it, it seems that we kind of feel the energy, even when it's through the phone, right? We we get this this feeling of like energy or vibes. I don't even know what to call it, but we feel like there's a the person on the other side has has beauty inside. They have something great to share, and this is why I think we reached out to one another and said, "Hey, let's do a podcast together," right? So tell us a little bit about you, what you're doing now. But most importantly, one of the things that I do with my show is I always go back into childhood. What made you who you are today? At what age did you start to understand, you know, and who impacted you in all the things that you do? I I like the fact that you put serial entrepreneur, a certified coach, your spiritual teacher, your international speaker. And I love the fact that you follow your passions. So let's talk about everything. (laughs) Just touching on what you started with in terms of energy and stuff, that we feel that. I am a spiritual business coach, so hence I 100% feel that. We did meet on Clubhouse. I don't normally reach, well, I reach out intuitively. And there was just something while you were talking that made me go, yeah, just contact Raphael and just you know see what happens and then we connected and then now we're doing a podcast together so I am very much about following my energy and I'm getting a lot more 
because it's always a work in progress every time you're leveling up. So I am still a work in progress of really touching base with my intuition and following that through. Um, And every time I have done, it's really impacted and helped level my business. And just, you know, in in terms of the connections I meet with people. So um, I am a spiritual business coach, as I said. I'm also a tarot reader and energy healer. So part of my program, not part of it, but most of my program encompasses having that guidance for my clients in terms of their business um, going forward. Being a certified coach, I came from a corporate background. So in terms of the coaching part, that's all logical and practical based. So I don't want people to think, oh, God, it's all woo woo and it's all you know guidance and stuff. No, you do the practical stuff. Because the two go hand in hand in my case. And I think it's really important to have that combination because you're able to really move forward at a deeper level. So my coaching encompasses all of that. And my clients are used to me. They are either following me or they are one of my clients in another program who transition into you know something more. So everybody has an awareness of how I work. I contact my clients. So, you know, we talk before we take that long journey ahead. So, again, they get to know what I do and how I operate. So now answering your questions, my journey started, I'm an Indian woman living in the UK. So we moved to the UK. I was age six. And so all of my upbringing and everything I have known has been UK based. Um, but my parents, of course, being Indian, we held on to our culture. So I have the wonderful combination of both cultures and able to enhance and use and understand and respect on all accounts, which has you know, been an amazing journey. I started, when did I first Okay, break this down? So I knew at the age of 19 mm. that I wanted to be a business owner. I just never knew what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but my intuitive journey was probably a little bit earlier because, you know, like most people, you're into astrology, you're you know looking at your stars and horoscopes and all of that kind of thing. But I just never thought I would be one of those people. You know, I go to one of those people to get a reading, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not going to be one of those people. I just never thought. <laughs> I don't think I understood what it meant or what it entailed. I just thought these are extraordinary people. I'm not that. So um, I went down the academic route because that's what we knew. And so I I went to college, got my degree, went into corporate and worked for two separate corporates over a span of 10 years. Mm -hmm. So I got to know the business knowledge because I was really fortunate with the mentors I had. And I gained an understanding that Business wasn't just the job role you did, but it was a combination of this whole company, sales, marketing, you know, accounts, you name it, everybody kind of working together to give this end product. So I kind of understood the scale of that, of what, you know, what it would involve when I started doing my own business. I just never thought that I would be the only person doing everything. Because you wear many hats. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think I came from the mindset that when I was going to start in business, I would have to employ everybody. 
you know, and b- because that's the model I was used to. It never dawned on me that I would be that person. For me, it was that I'm going to have to employ everybody. I'm going to have to get offices. I'm going to have to get this set up. And this is before I'd even made a penny, mm. you know, because, because that's the corporate, you know, that's what I had seen. And um, so when it actually came to me making that decision, and as I said, I was in corporates. My last job was a management consultant. So I traveled the world. And the job was very um, glamorous to the outside world. And don't get me wrong, I loved it. But you start to lose your identity. You start to lose contact with the people you love because all you're doing is just traveling. You're on a plane, you're in a hotel, you're in a work premise, and then you're doing the reverse when you come home. So after a while, it just became too much. I just started realizing I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And I thought this is probably the time to start really thinking about my next step, what I wanted to do. That's where I came across life coaching, because in the UK back then, life coaching wasn't really around. It was just hitting the corporate world with the team building and all of that kind of thing. But on an individual level, I had to Google and I found a course in um, America online big thing that back then online course in America fully certified everything so um, I enrolled in it and it took me three months three months to actually commit Mm. because having this corporate job working all the hours I was working I was abroad so I wasn't even based in the UK I was you know over in Europe so I had to take into account all the time difference because all of the uh, lectures and everything were U- uh, US-based times. Mm. So I had to convert the time zones and stuff. And, yeah, it took me about three months. I was almost going to say three years, three months to commit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, so that's how kind of my coaching journey started. So once you made that commitment, how long did it take for you to get the certification? Three years. Three years. Because I was working on it part-time because of the job. I couldn't commit to, it was an amazing, amazing certification because it was new at its time. So therefore, we had to do the clinical hours. We had to do um, our own coaches as part of the certification. We um, had to do a certain number of hours per module. And basically, we had to build up points in order to get to the next stage or next level or whatever. So given that commitment, I could only do a certain number of um, hours within a week. Mm. So it took me three years before I properly certified. Gotcha. And so how many total hours did you say it took to get certified? Oh, my God. So long ago. (laughs) Um, Was it 400 hours? Was it, you know? Well, the certification in terms of the lessons itself, I think, was over 100. Okay. But in terms of us then having to do our clinical hours and, you know, kind of get coached in all of the extras that went with it. So, yeah, probably all total together. Yeah, probably around about that much. And that was before I even started as a business. So. And, you know, I I like the fact that uh, you went through a course where it had you do your own work. It wasn't just 
you know, you had to just sit in a classroom kind of deal where you actually had to do your own, I guess, clinical work, right? You had to do your own coaching. You had to do everything. So you had a lot of hands-on, which is, is really key to understanding what you were doing. And I think it's really important for people to have that experience. It's kind of like um, I was given the on-the-job experience before I actually, you know, became that person, and which was really beneficial and useful because you understood clients and problems a lot more than – because nowadays, and that this is but no disrespect to anybody whatsoever, um, nowadays people have a lot of skills and then they kind of go, okay, I'm going to become a coach because I'm great at listening and I have all of these skills and stuff. But then when they actually start getting their first client, because they haven't had that guidance and journey, right. it can be a little hard for them to you know, maneuver. And um, so I was fortunate with having that expertise and I had to go through my own coaching in the sense that I had coaches working with me on my journey and my beliefs and my, you know, challenges and my stuff, you know, to, because I think when you, a lot of my coaching now is done by my own experiences because I've cleared a lot of my closets. I've cleared, you know, a lot of my skeletons. I actually said to somebody, I said, all of my skeletons are dancing with me because I've (laughs) cleared so much. And because I talk a lot, you know, my clients know me a lot. I'm out there. There isn't really anything about my life that's hidden. So I've got to that point at the moment where, you know, yeah, I can share that with my clients and guide them on that journey because I've been through quite a lot of it myself. I love that. That visual you gave me you dancing with your skeletons (laughs) (laughs) i love it because a lot of people even coaches don't always admit to themselves their failures right they don't understand that in order for them to be able to help someone else they need to really dive deep into themselves fully and be a hundred percent honest with themselves because that's that's dancing with your skeletons. I love that that, that analogy. Yeah, thank you. Right. <laughs> I'm going to steal that yeah, one. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> now I have an army of skeletons. <laughs> yes, yeah, so do I. But I just thought, you know, get a few. Okay. Yes. Get a few to dance. Yeah, right? we all have an army. When we think about growing up in the UK, it probably would have been different had you grown up in India. You know, your upbringing, your culture. Because I'm sure the culture would have been slightly different, obviously. How much culture would you say your parents were able to retain, even though they were not living in India, to pass on to you? My parents, we when we moved, my... Um, How old were you? I, I was six. My um, father worked for the British Embassy in India. So he was given this opportunity to come abroad. And so a lot of his friends were already here. So when we came, we weren't um, kind of like, oh, my God, don't know anybody and stuff. My father actually came a year ahead of us, mm-hmm. the rest of the family to kind of set up home, you know, all of that kind of thing, get a job, everything settled. And then we came across a year after him. And so we kind of already had a community of Asians around us mm-hmm. because at that time we were younger 
And it was only when I started school that I started getting, you know, international friends and stuff. But prior to that, we were part of this Asian community. So we were always brought up around Asians. Mm. And only at school, you know, I had international friends. So in terms of culturally, I would say that they held on to it 99%. And I would say that because they were in another country, they held the reins so much tighter than India would have done. Because, of course, India is evolving and advancing. But because this generation of people have come from their country to a new country and they don't want to lose everything totally, the reins they all had, not just my parents, but the whole community as a whole, were extremely tight. I mean, suffocating tight. Suffocating. (laughs) Yeah. I understand. <laughs> because part of my journey was that I eventually, and the, the, the thing that led on to me then going into my own business was that after a certain time, I actually walked out on my family mm. to have my own independence and my own life because I couldn't meet the expectations of what they wanted and be happy. I think we all do that, even, even in, in loving families and, and so forth. Because we all need that independence in order to become who we are meant to be, right? Exactly. But when you come from a culture and generation where at that time, not now, it was an alien concept, and especially for a woman. Of course. My brother, oh my God, my brother could do whatever he wanted. He, yes. You know, absolutely no worries. But me being a woman, mm-hmm, yeah. that, that's not going to be happening. Right, right, right. <laughs> So hence why the struggle was a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. You you went through this course, right? Mm-hmm. You decided that you wanted to become a coach. How did you tie the spirituality into it? Quite an irony there. It wasn't a conscious decision. <laughs> <laughs> so when I left my family, I moved to the place where I'm living now. And um, it's kind of in the UK known as one of the hubs for spirituality and where you know people kind of gather the woo-woos of the world. Mm. I didn't go there intentionally because of that. I went there because it was less Asians at that time. So I thought network-wise, my parents won't find me. So that's why I ended up here. It wasn't because of, you know, the spirituality element. That's something I only found out when I moved. So the spiritual aspect As I said, I was always intrigued by readings and just that concept of psychicness and all of that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but more from the um, client point of view of, you know, just going to get readings and things. And when I came here, I connected with a few people who um, were energy healers or, you know, into the alternative, and I ended up doing an energy healing course but then for, you know, so many years, did nothing with it. Mm-hmm. And that is something I think that triggered the journey. Because after that, I met somebody, um, I went for a tower reading, and the person said, oh, I'm going to be starting this teaching circle. Would you like to come? And because I was new to the area, didn't really know a lot of people. For me, I went, yeah, something to do in the evenings. I get to meet people. Why not? And I used to go every week. And we became good friends, but I also, I think, was probably there two to three years honing in on all of these skills, and she was a great teacher. She basically taught everybody everything to do with 
in her capacity, everything to do with energy, to do with mediumship, to do with, I drew the line at Ouija board, but dowsing, crystals, you name it. She had such an abundance of knowledge that she was sharing everything. And then she just allowed us to pick whatever we were drawn to. Mm-hmm. And I was drawn to tarot's the cards, but I realized that it was actually more to do with energy than the cards. The cards are a tool that I use, but they don't dictate the information. So yeah, so as we kind of evolved, I started honing in on my skills. People were beginning to give me good feedback because we had to exchange doing free readings, you know, when we were in workshops and stuff. And people went, oh my God, you're spot on. You don't even know me and all of that kind of thing. And I went, I could make money. start making money. So so I did, but I just thought of it as a hobby, you know, something on the side just to kind of help pay for the extras or whatever. I never thought of it as anything else. But because that side of the business started to grow, I started to get referrals, I started to get people coming. That's when I went, oh, okay, I need to get a website, I need to get stuff on. But I kept up until 2018, I kept my identity separate. So the coaching was under Ambila Nath and the tarot readings and spirituality was under some other inner alias because I was afraid that if my coaching clients found out, they would exit and think, "Mm, she she doesn't know what she's doing, she's crazy or something like that. Mm. So, um, yeah, so the two worked in parallel but separately for quite some time until I got to a point where must have been about 2015, 2016, or two years. I just went, I can't be doing spirituality. I need to be concentrating on coaching. Because again, mindset, we can only succeed in one thing. So I shut down a lucrative business because I thought I could only concentrate on one thing. Mm. So yeah, so a lot of stuff. So you you decided to shut one down. Mm -hmm. Wow. While it was... Doing really well. Not a good business choice at that point. Huh? I was my own business mentor. <laughs> I, I didn't have, I mean, any business. Of course, I got business coaching and right. things done. And you know that coaches are only with you for a certain amount of time. And then you're kind of left with the workbooks and everything else and go out to the world and, you know, do your own. Right. So going out to the world and doing my own, even my own coaches worked on the same mindset. So up until I had that realization myself, there was no coach I had worked with who said or encouraged having multiple incomes or multiple businesses. You had to uh, merge them, right, if you will. Yeah. And I think maybe that was one of the reasons why it took so long, because I couldn't figure out how I could bring the logic and the spiritual together and serve my clients. How, how can I make that work in a practical sector? Because coaching is, you know, very mindset oriented, very logical oriented. How can you bring that as a business model into it? And then people will pay you. Right, right. So you, I think that uh, you probably were in your own way because you had a perception that people, your, your coaching clients would think that you were crazy with the spiritual part. Yeah. And until you were able to because you were thinking, I, I guess you were thinking for them, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of thinking for yourself, right? And letting them have their own thoughts, right? 100%. 
And that's the realization I had in 2018 when I just said, I can't keep doing this and I'm just going to put it out to the world and then deal with it. And when I did put it out to the world, I got so much positivity and encouragement. People were like, oh, my God, I didn't know you did that. Uh Wow. And I was like, what? What? (laughs) And, And exactly as you said, I was the one judging myself. Well, congratulations on on opening that door. Thank you. You know, because I'm sure you were troubled in in finding that that door, right, if you will. Yeah. Because you had that internal turmoil, internal struggle, and and you were basically judging yourself, thinking what other people are going to think of you. And once you opened up and you were actually surprised that people were like thrilled. Oh, wow, you do that too. That's so cool, right? Yeah. So you had an awakening mm. of yourself, of your abilities, where they were merged together and people actually openly accepted you. Yes. How, how was that for you? That was uh, like um, euphoria. It, it, mm. it was such a um, release and revelation. And I think it was more the... I'm not there to convert you because my family, you know, they're very logical based. They kind of go, yeah, I get what you kind of do. And I'm kind of opening up to it because it's you. But had it been somebody else, then, you know, we wouldn't be following them or whatever. So from that point of view, I think the realization within me that I didn't care what people thought, I wasn't there to convert them. I wasn't there for them to um, feel that every time they had a conversation with me that, oh my God, you know, she's going to be off on one and trying to, you know, mm. bring us round or whatever. And all of that release just helped to make it so much easier for me to then go, this is how I can, you know, bring the two together. This is how I can make it work. Mm-hmm. And because that energy wasn't conflicting, it just opened the door to allow people who were already on that journey and business owners to kind of go, oh, I want to work with her. So, yeah, it helped a lot. I've, I've been on your website. Talk, talk to me about the portion of your website that you call the spiritual feed. What is that and, and, and how does that help someone? The spiritual feed is actually my Instagram feed. I just call it the spiritual feed. I like it. Thank you. And because... I'm most active on Instagram. So within Instagram, I'm sharing videos, I'm sharing hints, I'm sharing tips that gets shared across the other platforms as well. But that's where I'm most active. And so just to have that thread running on my website for people who don't realize I'm on Instagram as well, it allows them to see the kinds of things that I'm sharing without feeling that they have to buy into any of my programs or any other, you know, service that I provide. So, yeah, so it's literally my Instagram. Nice. And and you're not getting paid to do that. Why do you inspire people? Why do you put videos up? Why do you do what you do? Well, indirectly, you are getting paid. You're just not getting paid by every person who's watching. If they become your client, then you get paid. Correct. So, you know, if they take or buy one of your services or reach out to you, then, you know, ultimately that's what it leads to. But why do it? Because I kind of want to say, why not? If you, I 
struggled. I mean, I literally struggled in business because I didn't have mentors or people who could teach me, Mm. you know, all of these things, who could give me that guidance, build up my belief and confidence that I had the ability to do this and I was going to succeed and I was going to be okay. Because as I said, when I left my family, I left my whole complete support network. So it took me over a decade to rebuild it mm-hmm. where I am. And when you don't have that foundation or roots, because I've lost my roots, not roots in the sense of my identity or religion or, you know, but roots in the sense of that support, nurturing, then it's really difficult to start up anything because what is going on internally manifests externally where mirrors. So if inside my the roots, my support system, my guidance and all of that were shattered, then any business that I started always had weak foundations. It wasn't ever going to last. It wasn't ever going to have that success to the level that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's important to kind of look inside of myself and what I needed to do. Right. Tell me about tarot cards for a second, right? How hard mm-hmm. is it or how hard was it to learn how to read? Okay, there are two kinds of readers. There's the literal readers, who I call the academic tarot readers. And there's the intuitive, which is the side I sit on, because I read energy, not just the tarots. So the academic stroke literal readers will pull, say, three cards for 10 people, and the outcome and the story will be exactly the same, because they're reading the cards literally. And any foundation of tarot is, is like any academic. You have to have the basic. You have to have an understanding of the base of what they mean and what they stand for. But then you level up, which is what intuitives do, where you're more tuned into your intuition and guidance. So the same three cards for 10 people will give me different outcomes because I'm reading into their energy. I'm reading into what's actually going on in their lives. And then I'm reading the cards according to the guidance that they need at that time. So that makes it more personable. That makes it more direct. And as I said, I use the tarot as a mechanism because some people kind of don't feel a bit weird with a concept that a woman's just sitting opposite them on Zoom and going, oh, this is going to happen for you. That's going to happen without pulling any cards out. And they're like, I don't believe her. I don't trust her. So... (laughs) Yes. So it's a tool. It's a visual tool. Mm. I mean, yes, they do give me some kind of pathway or um, it's kind of like doing a presentation and having bullet points of what you're going to be saying. So that's what the tarot are for me. So every time I'm doing a presentation, which is a reading, those are my bullet points of this is what you need to talk about. This is what you need to be you know, saying to people. Nice. I love it. Because you're like, one of the things that you said is that you're being intuitive, right? In in order for you to be a great coach, I think you need you need that, right? Because you need to be connected with your client, right? You need to understand in a way where they are and where they want to go, right? For the kind of clients I attract, the answer is yes. But you know, there are lots of successful coaches. Who are just logical, strategic coaches, right. not necessarily um, openly intuitive or spiritual. I mean, 
Tony Robbins, he's definitely on a spiritual journey, but he doesn't market himself as a spiritual coach. He, you know, he's a strategic coach. And um, so it's very much about the kinds of people that you get drawn to, who will be drawn to you rather, and they'll come to you for a reason. But it certainly does help me to give more of that in-depth coaching and work with them more deeply because it is about me getting their skeletons out of their closets right. to be able to, you know, really work with them on that. And, and that's where a lot of people are tied up, right? With their skeleton. I was just saying, I think they have so much fear of them. Maybe it's all the horror movies. <laughs> it could be. It could be. You, you know, w- when we think about, right, so many people get in their own way. They're in their own head. There's that doubt. So many of us have doubt. We don't believe in what we're capable of. Oh, we've been told, especially when we're young, right? Stop it. Don't do that. You're no good. All these negativity that kind of maybe we think it's not there, but when we get older, it creeps back in. And maybe it's our parents or it's our teachers or it's, you know, like so many, you hear of so many celebrities even or people who've made it really big who said, yeah, there was this teacher who said I would amount to nothing. And if they allowed that to continue to play in their head, they wouldn't have amounted to anything. So it's, it's, it's the way we unscramble the messages that were being delivered on a daily basis, right? It is. And I think we're so fortunate in the time that we're living in because there's so much out there in terms of like my Instagram feed, but also YouTube videos and so many other coaches and things like that, that we can really tap into doing things ourselves, as in, you know, self-learning, there's so many books, blogs, you, you name it. But equally, I think it's really important that at some time in your life, if you're really serious, that somebody, that people invest, invest in either working with a coach or a therapist or a counsellor, whoever it may be, because you can't do that journey on your own. It takes time. The reason why we're professionals is because we've done the work. We know the triggers. We know how we can help you to release those triggers. We're not just there claiming to be those people without having done the work, got the qualifications, whatever. So in terms, and we're there to hold your hand and support you, because I think when we go through it individually, the circle of people we're going to be surrounded by, they're not going to be able to give us the kind of support that some people are going to need to, you know, heal from that journey, to allow them and give themselves that space to face their pain, to face that fear and know that they're going to be okay. You know, you brought up a really good point that sometimes the people in our circle are the, the cause of our holding back, the cause mm-hmm. of our fear. And, and it's important for us to see or have someone come in from a, who's going to have a different perspective, who's actually an outsider looking in and can see things. And this is why I, I have this show, because I believe in coaching so much, because I agree 100 percent, probably a million percent that we can't do it alone. You know, I grew up thinking that I don't need help. Mm. I can do this all myself. I don't need to ask for help. And even even nowadays, sometimes I catch myself saying, oh, I don't need help. I'm like, uh, maybe it wouldn't hurt. Maybe, maybe I don't need the help, 
but this person, they need to help me because that way I'll help them. So yeah. it, I look at things a little bit differently now because, yes, maybe I don't need the help. or Maybe I do need the help. But getting the help is only going to help me go further. And it's also going to help the people that are around me go further. So definitely having a coach is, is critical. And, you know, I have more than one, by the way. We all do. We, and the, the thing people have to remember is that a coach isn't for life. Correct. You know, because you're always going to be improving, up-leveling who you are as a person. So you may have different coaches to help to guide you to those, you know, next levels and things. And you may stay with the same coach that, you know, I'm not saying you don't. But I think people kind of work on that mindset that, oh, my God, something might be wrong with me if I get a coach because then it feels as though I'm in therapy for life. And it's like, no, that's not what it is. (laughs) So but it's important to invest in yourself because we spoke about energies earlier on and I actually put out a video a couple of weeks back talking about the giving and receiving and investing in yourself and asking for help so two things one investing in yourself but two asking for help and showing that vulnerability to the person you're seeking the help from is a huge thing because the universe works in the giving and receiving and we are so good at giving you know money, self-worth, time, you name it. But when it comes to the receiving, we're like, no, it's okay, I can do this myself. No, it's fine, I, I can manage myself. No, don't worry, I'll fix my own roof. Kind of thing, you know, we, we're just like, no, we, we can't burden it on somebody else. And I think, as you referred to earlier on, it is built into our DNA mm-hmm. because it does come from our culture, our mindset, our parents, you know, people we are surrounded by. And it's deciphering that because before I started my own coaching journey I had no clues to boundaries Mm. I had no clues to saying no to people I was taught that you say no then you're you know it's a guilt trip because you put everybody else ahead of you so if you think about yourself then you're being selfish and you know every other name under the sun so (laughs) it's until you become aware and that awareness will only come if you're actually following somebody, you know, more inspirational than you, somebody a little bit more positive and who's walked that path. But if you're surrounded by people who are content with where they're at, which is absolutely fine, then, yeah, then, you know, then life will be a whole lot different. Right. It's, it's how we look at when we say no or when we say yes, right? Mm. Because when we say yes to one thing, we're saying no to another. Yeah. And when we're saying no to one thing, we're saying yes to another. So it's important to understand what we're saying yes to and what we're saying no to. Because a lot of times, a no is probably could be your best answer, right? Mm. And Mm. sometimes a yes is probably the wrong answer. So we have to evaluate. And sometimes we may need to understand that a lot of no's will lead us to the correct yes, right? Yeah. And looking at my clients and looking at the people I'm connected with and stuff, a lot of people don't get that insight until they're kind of in their mid-30s. Because prior to that, they've just been following the norm of getting a degree, going to college, you know, finding their career path or building their business or doing, you know, whatever else they may need to do and just still trying to fit into that mold. 
and then they'll reach a certain must be DNA related, but there must reach a certain trigger within the DNA that goes, okay, you're an adult now. You you don't need to behave like a child and keep seeking approval and assurance and you know all of those kinds of things. You need to start, you know, looking into yourself. Because I get so many people will reach a certain age and go, I'm not putting up with that anymore. I've had enough of it. It's it's kind of like they've moved into proper adulthood. Right. And they're like, nope. I don't need to take it anymore. I've you know, done it for so long. I don't need to do that. And one thing as you know, coaches, we, we um, talk about quite extensively is that we train people how to treat us. Mm-hmm. Because exactly what you were saying about the yeses and nos, we are, treat, we are showing people how to treat us. So if we are not respecting ourselves in the sense of when we want to say no, we're saying yes, because we feel guilty if we say no for helping somebody else when we've already got 6,000 other things we need to be doing. All of those kinds of things is basically saying to somebody, I don't respect my own time, but you can abuse it. I'm available. So that's basically what the translation is. And And people take that behavior for granted so that when you start to say the no, they get alarmed because they've never heard that from you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's always a um, change that happens both ways, but the change always has to start with you. Yeah. You know, what, one of the things that people fear is saying no to someone of authority. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, I'm a martial arts instructor, right? And my students, a lot of times, um, and I, I had this like a couple of weeks ago, one of my students kept saying yes to me. And I said, you cannot keep saying yes to me. I said, because you're not. I, I said, do you understand what I'm talking about? Yes. I'm like, no, you don't. I said, be honest. I'd rather you tell me no than for me to find out that you tell me yes and then you don't understand. Because then guess what? You're not going to be able to accomplish what you need to accomplish. So i rather hear you say no or I don't understand. Or it's okay to disagree with me. Because they see me as an authority figure, right? Mm. So I always let them know it's okay for you to tell me no. It's okay for you to say, I don't understand. Please explain it. Or I don't agree with you. I'd rather hear that than yes. So I tell my students, I will not have you be a, a yes person. Whether you're female or male, it does not matter. Don't be a yes person. I'd rather hear a lot of no's or I don't understand. or I don't agree with you. That's what's going to make you a better person. That's what's going to make you amazing. Exactly. And that's the kind of thing so many people are not taught because it it is about that authority figure. But I, you know, but it's also about the depending on, you know, which cultures you've grown up in, Mm -hmm. that you don't disrespect your elders. Correct. You don't speak up to them. You don't question them. You don't. You know, you just take whatever they say is Bible and then, you know, and follow it through. So, and again, that is authority. So, and I think it, there's so much change that has yet to happen. Mm-hmm. But one person at a time, you know, making that happen is a huge step. I think one of the things that we have to teach our children is, is exactly that to ask questions. You know, one of the things, if you, if you listen to any five or three-year-old or whatever, they're always going, why? Why this? Why that? Why? 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 
mommy this, mommy that, right? And as parents, we should encourage that more. Yet when the kids get older, they stop saying, stop asking that, stop asking that, stop asking that. So they're yes. kind of, they're, they're putting a damper down on the, the adventure. The, the kids want to know why is this happening? How come? All these things. And we're just pounding them down instead of saying because of this. And, you know, it's a lot of times it's funny when you see a child questioning an adult and the adult just like can't handle it anymore. And they tell them to stop it, stop asking why. But when we think about it, that's what we should nurture, the why. We should always encourage people to ask why and how, because those two things are going to teach us so much on why things happen and how we can do things. And leading on from that, I think it's important for the, the people who are being asked those questions to know that they don't need to know the answers. Right. They can go and find the answers. They can go and, because that's half of the reason of why people are saying, can you stop saying that? Because they don't know. Mm. And rather than admit they don't know, they just go, can you just stop now? Right. And th there's so many stresses, you know, that happen in a person's life and stuff. So that if you've got a child who's, you know, constantly asking questions and stuff, you're kind of like, I really need to get to my meeting. Can you just finish breakfast? And, you know, <laughs> so there's just so many things that are at play. But I do agree with you that in terms of a child being able to ask those questions, but also be guided to where to find the answers mm -hmm. is, you know, a good thing. And I think that doesn't just sit on one individual, i.e. I, the parents, but sits on every person that they may be in contact with, mm -hmm. you know, from teachers to grandparents to friends to, you know, whomever else may be at play. Right. You know, even in the corporate world, you know, you have different type of managers, bosses, whatever you want to call them. It's the bosses that really get the most work out of anyone are the ones that are let the people know, their employees, the people under them, that it is imperative that they ask questions so they mm -hmm. understand what is being asked of them. So it's the ones that assume that you should already know because that's yeah. your position. But then what if you don't know? And then you don't ask the questions and then all of a sudden, the project gets done the wrong way. So it's that open communication that we need, right, in the business world. 100%. But it's not just the business world. We need that in all relationships, right? And every, whether it's family, it's a partner, or it's, it's a coach communicating with their client or their client communicating with their coach, right? Mm -hmm. uh, having that open communication brings us back down to the awareness on both sides yeah. because communicating on a general level everybody can do and thrive at communicating when it comes to feelings or finances or problems or challenges that is always dictated by the stories you're carrying and as coaches there's four stories that we end up always touching on so it'll be your childhood story your parental story your love story and your money story so at any one point one of those boxes is going to open up and the trigger that you're going to have in terms of, you know, the conversation that's happening will be from an experience from one of those times. So you're going to react and you're going to probably verbally say things 
that were triggered, you know, back in whenever that event happened. And until you as an individual have that awareness of understanding your own behaviors, your own self-awareness, your own reason for why, you know, you're doing that, open communication is a work in progress. It is. Because you're learning each other's habits as well. You're learning how each one communicates. Because what may be okay in your household, you know, may not be in somebody else's household. You know, because my family, we're very tactile. So, you know, I see my nieces and nephews, we hug and whatever. But if I go to some other household and that's not a regular thing and I go and hug a person, they might think, oh, my God. She's attacking me. So it's really having that awareness of what you're brought up with, you know, the, the boundaries of where they sit and, and when it's okay and when it's not. So there's so much. There is. That's why you need a coach. That's right. You know, I'm going to add one more thing. You said four. I'm going to add five. Fifth, okay. dream. Your dreams. Right? Communicate your dreams because that's your future. Yeah. So we have to be able to dream of tomorrow, right? We have to be able to dream of next year. Where do we want to be? We are now in the present. We have to use the past to help us with our current time. Mm-hmm. But we also use the past and the present to dream for tomorrow. We, we have to dream of the possibilities that we shape today. And then one more thing, if you think about everything we've been talking about, it all comes from the energy we're putting out, right? So our, 100%. our communication is also the energy we put out. Because if we are not really using the energy, we're going to come very dry when we come in a conversation. We're not going to have the, the uplifting, the, the motivational, the impact that we really need to bring forth if we don't bring energy behind it. Yeah, 100%. Everything is energy. It is. Everything is energy. Impacting the world. And I say, you know, as a child, I was told I could not make a difference. I could not change the world. Man, were they wrong? Were they wrong? Because my energy, if I touch one person, I change their world. Right? Exactly. That's everything. Exactly. And it's a ripple effect. So, you know, one is connected to many. So, yeah. I really appreciate your time. And and you've taught me so much, you know, about everything that you do, the way you impact people, and the transformation that you went through, which anyone who may be listening and does not understand the beauty that we have inside of us, let's just listen to what you mentioned, that you had it in you. And it took you some time, but eventually you found you found your voice, basically, right? Yeah. And 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 you let the world know, and, and they openly accepted you because what you have to offer is a beautiful thing. Thank you so much for saying that. Thank you. Yeah. Before we go, are you because we've the world has changed, right? Twenty twenty brought a different change to the world, and a lot of people had negativity. Mm. I only saw positivity because that's the only thing I see. <laughs> even even because I've had so many so many trials and tribulations in my life that I don't longer see the negative in anything. Mm. 
I always look for a positive. Even when I'm going through a struggle, I try to find the positive in everything. And 2020, as negative as it could have been, has truly changed the world for the better. For me, that's how I see it. Because it's brought technology. It it, it probably boosted technology so far into the future in such a rapid state that we have embraced it. I mean, look, we're doing a virtual interview, right? A virtual conference, a virtual meeting, a, a meeting of the minds. I'm able to, I can see your expressions. You can see mine. I feel your energy. I don't know. I'm sure a thousand percent you feel mine. And are you able to use this technology through your spirituality? 100%. All of my clients, uh, 90% of my clients are international. Mm. And especially being across all of the social media, that, that is technology. Energy isn't about technology. Energy is just around us. So I heal people via Zoom. I do readings via Zoom. I do coaching via Zoom. And each and every one, even this morning, I had a client and she said, oh, my God, what you said to, said to me the last time we had a session all came true. She's in Switzerland. Mm. I'm in the UK. Right. So that in itself is evidence that nothing is a barrier unless you make it a barrier. Right. And that is so true. We, mm. we create those barriers, don't we? We do. Yeah. <laughs> again, it's all part of our unlearning. Yeah, yeah. So. We, like, like we said earlier, we have to get out of our own head, right? Mm. And, and sometimes we can't do it alone. No. This is why you and I believe in coaching so much, right? Exactly. And again, you know, people might not be open to coaches, therapists, counselors, whatever you're drawn to. Just know that you don't need to do it on your own. And Bila, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for sharing all this knowledge with, with myself. <laughs> You know, I feel blessed to have this time with you, and I'm sure my audience will also feel a great connection to you. How can how can my audience reach out to you and, and possibly work with you? Um, I am so easy to find because everything is under my name. So just Google Ambila Nath. As I said, Instagram is the main area where you will really find me most active. So if you want to um, reach out on a one-to-one, just send me a DM or alternatively just go onto my website. But just Google my name, Ambila Nath Info, and you will find me. And everything I do is on the website as well as on um, Instagram. So all of my programs, tarot readings, energy healing, whatever it may be you're drawn to, it's all on there. And you have so much to offer. It's great. Yes. I cater for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever level of journey you're on, I, I can help you. Perfect, perfect. Well, you have an amazing and blessed day. Enjoy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm truly honored. My pleasure, my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with a new episode and a new guest. You can find all episodes of the Coaching Call podcast on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I ask that you please leave me an honest review.
This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. I'm trying to keep this episode free of advertisements. Anything you can donate to the cause is greatly appreciated. To donate, go to paypal.me backslash Sifu Raphael. Thank you and I really appreciate your help.